0: Welcome to another episode of Cohen's Corner. A lot has happened since our last episode, starting with Lindor's extension that we both, me and Elizabeth, both thought was a pretty good surefire bet to happen. And they obviously came together on their 10-year, $341 million extension. So that happened. Their opening series against the Nationals got postponed, and they started the season in Philly, and then everything with Conforto's hit by pitch. So there's been a lot that's happened. So Elizabeth, why don't we start with the Francisco Lindor extension? Take me through your thoughts, what your initial reaction was, and how did you find out that Lindor was (laughs) extended?
1: Well, funny you should ask, Jake, because I have to say, um, I guess it was last, I'm already losing track of the days, I guess the day, it was the day before opening day was supposed to happen, so last Wednesday, when, you know, there was all this stuff happening on you know, all these tweets going down about these, these writers tweeting that, you know, there has been no talks over the last 24 hours between Lindor and the Mets, blah, blah, blah. And I have to say, you know, I, I know we talked in our last episode about being pretty optimistic about the extension, and I still had, like, a shred of hope. But I have to say, I was kind of, like, feeding into the negativity at that point, being like, oh, no, maybe they're not going to get it done. You know, maybe he's going to ask for more money than they're going to want to give. And then it was probably at, like, I guess it was, like, 10.30 p.m., Mets pitcher, Taiwan Walker, maybe one of the least likely candidates I could have thought to, quote unquote, break the extension or break the news. He tweeted something very cryptic about like, you know, I have something that I want to say, but I'm going to wait 30 minutes. And then all these people responded to him. And I saw that. I'm like, is that, does he know already? Like, why would he be the one to break this news? I kind of, I got hopeful, but then I like put it out of my mind. And then he tweeted like half an hour later, I'm so excited for opening day. And I was like, all right, whatever. He was just trolling. I've, so I've been scrolling through my phone at this point, obviously kind of feeding into like the mania of the whole extension stuff. Been scrolling through my phone for like an hour straight. I finally decide at like 1115, you know what? I'm going to put my phone down. I'm going to like gonna go get a drink of water. I'll do, do something else for like three minutes. So I put my phone down and then literally 10 seconds later, I get a phone call from you. Telling me that they had the extension, and I'm like, "How did I miss this? I put my phone down ten seconds ago, and then all of a sudden, you called me saying that they they made an extension." And I start scrolling through Twitter again, and I see that John Heyman tweeted it out, and then all the writers were tweeting it, and then it was official. And I I just couldn't believe it. I, I couldn't believe this always happens to me. Like whenever I leave the room, the Mets score, or you know, whenever I like put the game away for a second, that's always when something happens. And so I wasn't like surprised by my own history of luck, but I just, I was overwhelmed to say the least. I honestly, this is going to sound embarrassing, but I like started to cry. I was like so excited because I couldn't, I just couldn't believe that, you know, there's been so much talk ever since they traded for him. When are they going to extend him? They have to extend him. It'll be a failure if they don't extend him. And then the night before opening day in classic Mets, like down to the wire, very nervous fashion, they actually got it done. And it's the largest contract in franchise history. And it's, I literally cried. I couldn't believe it. it that I called my parents. My mom was like a little bit worried. She's like, what's going on? Because when I when you call your parents at like 1130 at night, you, they usually assume that you're not calling to like break the news of like great sports things happening. So my mom was a little bit worried when I called, but I quickly told her that it was actually because I was just so excited about the Lindor extension and wanted to talk to her and my dad. And it's funny, my dad had a very similar story because he had been like listening to the fan that evening. They've been talking about it. I forget who was on at the time. Maybe John Dostremsky. And then he, my dad like turned off the radio to go brush his teeth. And then in that time was when the extension happened. So he and I both clear like checked out of the Mets for like two seconds. And of course that's when they announced the extension. So all in all, you know I was thrilled. Honestly, completely thrilled. Overwhelmed. I laughed. I cried. It, it was it was fantastic. Definitely a huge roller coaster of emotions between oh, that the ba- and opening opening day being canceled.
0: Coaster. Oh, the big- But
1: I mean, oh. it was just the trade itself was really exciting. But I have to say, this like almost this like almost topped it in excitement for me. Just because now we know that Lador's locked in, and I was just thrilled. Well, about that's that. the
0: thing. Like that's why I couldn't get attached to him because it's a it really. I
1: feel t- like you're pretty t- attached. T- no, I'm like, not gonna lie, to, but not to the point
0: like. <laughs> Even though this is a small thing, but I always said I wasn't going to buy his jersey, like wasn't really going to mm-hmm. buy into the whole hype until he signed long term, which I said in the last episode that I was fairly optimistic on him, I wasn't so optimistic on Conforto and both I've seemed to be pretty right about so far. I mean, it's not a surprise that Lindor signed. It's just at the time it became surprising because of how down to the wire it got. And you're right, it was a late late the night before the opening day was supposed to be that got canceled. And it was kind of out of the blue because, like you said, they were everyone was saying that they're not talking and it didn't look like a deal was going to get done. So, But, yeah, you, I didn't personally – Steve I Cohen's didn't,
1: tweeting things. People yeah, are he, getting confused. Exactly.
0: And I didn't want to get too attached to him because, who knows, if he's gone in one year and he bolts, like that's going to suck. But the fact now that he's here with – this year he's playing out and then the 10-year extension, 11 years he's going to be with the Mets. And it was great the answer he had in his press conference when Anthony DeComo asked him, what he thinks, what kind of player he thinks he'll be at the end of his contract when he's 38. And he said, I'll be a bad mf I mean, that's kind of the best response that you could hope for out of him. And so far, it's just been a joy to watch. I mean, I mean, obviously a very small sample size, but you can see on the field, it's like he's another coach out on the field. He's telling guys that they've got to knock the ball down when they've got a runner at second. They can't let the ball get to the outfield He's hyping up Conforto today when they intentionally walked Lindor in to get to Conforto and that controversial hit by pitch happened. But it's just great to have Lindor here and know that he's here for the long haul. And that wasn't something that was a foregone conclusion until a couple of weeks ago.
1: Right, exactly. You know, I feel like there was a huge collective weight <laughs> lift off of Mets fan shoulders just because again we're kind of we're just used to expecting things like. Who knows how the contract will play out? We don't know. But this was objectively great news in the short term. And I oh, it was great. Everyone...
0: Couldn't have hoped for anything better as a Exactly.
1: Player. And, I mean, you know, he hasn't, like, fully gotten going with the bat yet, but his defense so far has has been fantastic. Yeah. He had a great leaping catch during the game today that, like, I, like, my jaw dropped. It was it was. For the spin and around the right.
0: that he had yesterday against the Phillies exactly. amazing.
1: That amazing. was great. Or and... even on,
0: on opening night, the double play he turned. In the past, mm-hmm. you don't see – Met shortstops bolting up the middle, coming out into your team. That range
1: TV, up the middle, I know, because
0: like with Rosario, so that's the same Jimenez, <laughs> but I think that would have been a hit too. You haven't since Jose Reyes, you haven't seen someone bolt across and make a play like that. And obviously Lindor is better than Reyes. I'm just saying somebody at least in that stratosphere defensively. But it's been fun to watch.
1: Yeah, I mean it'll be nice seeing the opponents hit a ball up the middle and not just like assuming it's going to be a single, being like, oh, someone might actually get that or you know, just his shorthandedness and his, he's shown a lot of, yeah, you're right. Leadership. I've seen him, you know, talking to pitchers in the dugout. He was talking to David Peterson uh, after his rough first inning and Peterson's first start, which I seemed to calm him down a little, at least a little bit. He, he got yeah, much he better. you didn't go up any more runs meetings.
0: till the, till right before he came out or right after he came out. They got right. 12. So, yep. I
1: mean, he's clearly shown so far that he's, he's playing up to his worth and I can't wait to see more from him.
0: So obviously we're very excited about Lindor, but something we're not as excited about is the lack of run support. The Mets continue to give Jacob Degrom, and along with the lack of run support that they gave him on open, I guess their technical opening day against the Phillies, there were obviously also some very questionable decisions, in my opinion, by manager Luis Rojas. One to start Kevin Pillar and not play Dominic Smith. What do you think about that? Because me personally. I don't see how you can't play Dom Smith. He's one of the most elite hitters in the national league. And you know, he's not going to give you the best defense in left field. Everyone knows that he's never going to be a gold glove left fielder. He's never going to be Barry Bonds in left field, but the bat he gives you, it definitely outweighs. It's not like if we could play Lucas Duda years ago as a full-time outfielder, we sure as hell can play Dom Smith in the outfield because first of all, Dom Smith is way better of a hitter than Duda was. And he's definitely a better fielder too. And Dom slimmed down. He can get to balls. Obviously, like I said, it's not going to be the best, but his hitting definitely outweighs his lack of defense. So to not put him in the lineup, that's a very questionable call, especially on opening day.
1: Yeah, I was definitely, I, I admit, I looked at the lineup and I was like, oh boy, like <laughs> I saw Pilar at the top. I'm like, this can't be happening. Then I saw Nimmo eighth. And I'm, and by the way, Brandon Nimmo, I think is like leading all of major league baseball right now in on-base percentage, which again, he's only played four games, but still, I mean, Nimmo has to be leading off, in my opinion, every game that he's in the lineup. I mean, he... The man is just an on-base machine. He walks, he gets hit by pitches sometimes, he, he can leg out an infield single, he can make contact, he had a really crucial hit in the ninth inning of today's game to get on base and keep the line moving. Hopefully the Mets will kind of come to their senses and not bat him ace against lefties because righty lefty, we hear a lot about that from managers. I just think, and maybe this is just me being like super old school, but I always just want to see your best player's. Who have good numbers against lefties, even if they are batting lefty. I mean, Dom Smith hits lefties pretty well, too. So yeah, to does. not see He's him in the lineup. He had to
0: be a platoon player. He's way too good of a hitter exactly. to be a platoon player.
1: Yeah. So I'm hope hopefully, they can both play their way into not having that happen again because. I agree. The lineup is 100% better with Nimmo leading off and then Dom, Dom hitting right behind Pete in the lineup, I think is a great move because the two of them back to back, I mean, you know, you could even argue hitting McNeil between them, who's not quite as much of a power hitter, although he had a great home run today, could be something to go on uh, for the future. I know we've been hearing about like splitting up the lineup righty lefty. So I'm not sure if McNeil will be batting between Pete and Dom, but that could be something to look out for. But having them both in the four and five hole, I've I've loved so far, I think. Because it's great. You have, like, the big power hitter, Alonzo, come up. And then if he gets out, you're like, oh. But then Dom Smith is up. So he has, like, just as much yeah. of a chance of getting a home run or a double into the gap as Pete does. So There's no, no let-up
0: in the Mets lineup this year. Exactly. It's a dangerous, dangerous lineup. It was good last year. It is great this year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So hoping to see Dom in the lineup every day. You know, I, I can live with his defense in left field, like you said. And, you know, Pete's played great at first base so far. I mean, it's going to be hard if he continues, you know, making all these diving plays, it's going to be hard to take him out of the first base just based on a reputation from the minor leagues that is still following him, even though he's proven to be a solid major league first baseman with the potential to be great defensively, I think. So I think if Pete continues playing really well at first base, it's going to be hard to take him out of first base, especially since we know, I don't think he's playing another position for this team in the near future. So... If Dom can play left field serviceably, he needs to be in the lineup every day.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Dom Smith needs to play every day. And to stick with opening day, another questionable decision that Rojas definitely made was pulling Jacob DeGrom after 77 pitches after he'd retired nine in a row through six innings. I think he called it six ups or something, whatever terminology Rojas used after the game. But there is no way, I, I understand even with the longer layoff, DeGrom was cruising. And it's not like we have this shut down bullpen. If we had maybe the Yankees bullpen or one of these dominant bullpens, I could say think, okay, maybe I could see where you're coming from, pulling DeGrom. But when you know we don't have an amazing bullpen, especially with Lugo gone right now, why on earth would you pull the best pitcher in baseball after he's cruising? And, yes, DeGrom said after the game he understood whatever. What's What else is he going to do? He took say?
1: ownership for it, yeah, in fact. he not, basically He's not yeah. going
0: to throw his manager under the bus, but he knows it too. He shouldn't be coming out of that game. And before the game, Rojas had even said that he was – good to go from 90 to 100 pitches. So why are you even going to say that? And then when it's not like he had stressful innings. Like I said, he had retired nine in a row. The only somewhat stressful inning he had that first inning after, well, not even, Hoskins hit that triple, and that was the really the only hard ball hit off of him. So I don't understand. I don't get it. And the bullpen ended up, obviously, as we all know, the bullpen blew it. Castro got through the sixth inning fine. But May did not look good at all. And Loop, the first battery comes in, he's in to get Bryce Harper. He drills him. And then after the game, he says something along the lines of, oh, yeah, well, it's tough to come in and face a guy like Bryce Harper. Well, sorry, buddy. That's why we signed you. You're a lefty. Harper's, Harper and Freeman are the two guys we signed and Soto. Mm,
1: Those three no guys. Boy. That's <laughs> who we
0: signed you to get out. Soto, Freeman, and Harper. So don't don't complain. That's your job. And he – oh, it was just right. horrible. Guillaume is supposed to be there playing good defense. He throws the ball away that McCann probably could have caught. Oh, it was a disaster.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess my thinking about that like the bottom line is Jacob DeGrom is better than any other pitcher on the team. And that includes the entire in baseball.
0: He's the he's he, better than any that's, pitcher that's, in that's, baseball.
1: That's well, that's correct, but he's also clearly the best pitcher on the team. And there's been so much kind of increase of bullpen use in baseball over the last few years, but I also think it's important to recognize like who's actually better. And Jacob DeGrom is better than anyone in their bullpen. So who do I trust to get out to get outs when he when they need to? I trust Jacob DeGrom over anyone else on the entire team. And so I think in those situations, it's easy. I feel like we always see these managers, you know, going to their bullpens, trusting all their guys. We know that the Mets don't have eight elite arms in their bullpen that they can turn to. And so I just think in the future, I want to see them trust that Jacob DeGrom is the best pitcher in baseball and leave him in the game to get key outs unless he's clearly out of gas. Because that's the thing. The bottom line is, yes, the guy's coming in the bullpen, You know, the opposing lineup hasn't faced them yet in that game. They might be a little more unfamiliar with their windup. But the bottom line is, we know DeGrom has proven he's the best pitcher on either team probably in any game. And so the whole goal of having your pitchers in the game is for them to get outs. And whether they're the starter or the bullpen, I just think it's important to recognize when you have someone of DeGrom's caliber, he is the best pitcher on your team. He needs to be the one getting key outs as long as possible in the game. And I don't care if, like, the guy in the bullpen is warmed up or – you know, they have someone else good in the bullpen. Like, I just feel like DeGrom needs to be Why is
0: trusted. the guy – why is Castro even up in the bullpen in the first place? So, so that Rojas can't even use it as an excuse. Why do you even have him up? DeGrom looks fantastic the three innings, his three last innings. He looked great. And even on the broadcast, like when DeGrom – I don't know, however he ended the sixth inning, I think he struck out Harper. He, did something he like struck
1: that. out Harper. Yeah, he struck yeah. out
0: Harper with like a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. And you could tell in Gary Cohn's voice, he also thought that DeGrom was going to be coming out for the next inning. It wasn't like, oh, what a great night for him. It was, All right, he got through the sixth. Let's see him out here again. And, I mean, I was at the game, and you could see on the scoreboard it said warming up Castro. Me and my dad are looking at each other like there's no oh, way. Maybe I would have been so up upset. Like, something happens. But I'm like trying to look towards the dugout, see like what the Grom's doing. I'm like, I don't understand this at all. His spot in the order wasn't due up anytime soon. It just didn't make any sense. It still doesn't right. make any sense. I don't care. It's the beginning of the season. It's not like he – like I said, he, if he had – if the fifth and sixth innings were really stressful, he had a bunch of guys on base, whatever, okay, then I can understand. But he was cruising. I don't understand. Yeah. And he's just – Rojas continues to blow my mind. And then yesterday, obviously, they won the second game of the series. Stroman pitched very well, got a lot of ground balls. He looked really good. Mm-hmm. Then the third game, he's sitting Jeff McNeil and playing Jonathan VR, and I know that was that was questionable. I mean, upset Mc- about that yesterday.
1: McNeil doesn't need rest after two games. Again, who has a better track record in a Mets uniform, Jeff McNeil or Jonathan VR? I mean, Jeff McNeil. They actually had a, bro- a graphic on the broadcast today among like all hitters in baseball with a minimum one thousand plate appearances. So that's everyone with that many plate appearances. Jeff McNeil currently has the highest batting average of literally anyone in baseball with that. And you know, he hasn't had as long a career as say Mike Trout who hits 300 almost every year, but still Jeff McNeil is an elite hitter. He has had like eight at bats in the season. So far they play at that point, they played two games. He's not injured that we know of. He needs to be in the lineup. I mean, I just, you know, we don't want fans and I don't want to like be overreacting to these early season games, but we've seen seasons come down to like one game. And I just always have the mind that every game is crucial. It's not, not every game is literally a must win, but I feel like, the game should be managed with as much urgency as they possibly can be without, you know, being reckless with how you're using your roster. So I was disappointed by that for sure. I mean, VR did have three hits, but it didn't really lead to a victory. So no one's going to remember that. It was
0: very misleading. It was a a Wilson Ramos-esque three for five. Let me explain. When Ramos would have a really good day at the plate, it seemed like every time he would, in that game, he would come up in a big spot and either strike out or hit into a double play. But then there would, he'd come up in the seventh inning. They'd be down six runs. He would hit a home run. Or at the end of the day, his box score, his stats would look good. Yesterday, VR comes up with the bases loaded, and I think he struck out in like three pitches. He got blow, Nola blew him by. I think it might have been Nola's last inning in the fourth blew him by but then vr comes up with nobody on when they're getting crushed and he hits one off the top of the center field fence that he was jogging he thought it was gonna be a home run it probably could have been an inside the parker but he didn't yeah that's
1: what i thought initially i was like he should have scored on that yeah i thought he's He's fast
0: really fast but he didn't run when he hit it right so i mean it was a very misleading three for five and for
1: nimmo would have gotten inside the parker out of that yeah that's what we know that that nimmo sprints on every ball
0: but rojas said he wanted to get everybody active well well, this isn't it's too
1: early for that. It's, we too need, early and
0: it's not little league. It's the major leagues. He'll get active at some point. You let him pinch hit. That's his right. Role. I mean, Davis
1: is out right now. He's going to get some time. Yeah, in he the is. Infield. But
0: to put him in for McNeil in the third game, I get McNeil was kind of struggling, but he was hitting the it's ball hard. It's two
1: games. I couldn't believe hard. that. I couldn't spring, He didn't
0: that. have a good spring, like statistically, but he hit the ball very hard and he hit the ball hard in his first two games. I, yeah, I didn't understand that either. And then right. when he hit today in opening day, he batted McNeil, what, seventh in between VR and McCann. I mean, it ended up working out because working McNeil wouldn't have come up in that spot in the ninth, but there were some other times of VR to come up big, and that would have been McNeil in that spot, so right. it plays out both ways.
1: And actually, I kind of want to go back before we get into um, the game today, which was, you know, we talked a little bit about opening day. Today was the home opener. I wanted to go back to that opening day game because, as you mentioned earlier, you were actually at that game, which was in Philadelphia at Citizens Bank Park. And so I kind of want – I haven't been to a Mets game yet um, this year, and I'm looking forward to going at some point in the near future, but – I know it wasn't a home game, but I kind of want to ask, from your perspective, how did it actually feel to be back in a baseball stadium after not being able to go to a game all of last year? I know it was with the Philly fans who, you know, Mets fans don't really like, but I'm just kind of curious, from your perspective, how that whole game experience actually was.
0: It was a lot of fun, and I love going to Philadelphia. First of all, it's if you haven't been before, it's a beautiful, not just you, but anybody listening, it's a beautiful park. Assistance Bank Park is an amazing place to see a game. And obviously, yeah, the Phillies fans, let's call them passionate. I guess that's the best way I'll put it. I mean, Philly fans, you know what you're going to get. They love their team, and they're not afraid to let you know it. So I love going there and getting into banters with them. And, yeah, there was an incident in the, uh, in the first inning when Hoskins got thrown out on that relay mm-hmm. at third base. I was just screaming. I don't think I said anything that bad. I might have yelled that he sucked or something like that. And I yelled. And this Philly fan next to me is like, hey, stop yelling. I got kids with me. I'm like what i'm like i didn't say anything bad this guy was upset and it was the first inning oh boy. and then oh boy. he ended up leaving and then the uh the mets blew that lead he could have gave it right back to me but they left in like the sixth inning I don't oh know why, come on well but anyway it was great to be at a game and it was loud like for the amount of fans over there and i heard city field was pretty loud for the home opener today it was loud and there were a lot of mets fans there like there was like it usually it was like the old days with the mets fans getting their let's go mets chant going and all the phillies fans would just drown it out with booze and there was a lot of like back and forth, fun back and forth in our section between Mets and Phillies fans, but it was a great time. It was a, it was a lot of fun for about seven innings. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> well, yeah, the Mets had the lead. I'm sure it was yeah, fun. And then Trevor May and Aaron Loop decided to ruin our evening. But, uh, but it, it was no, it was a lot of fun to be back at the game, and I look forward to going to more. And, yeah, it's just great to be able to be around baseball fans again, no matter what team they're rooting for, and just to be able to watch a game.
1: Right. I mean, I feel like part of the fun of going to games, at least for me, is just feeling that camaraderie with everyone in the crowd. And, you know, it's like, you don't know 99% of the people at the game, but if you, especially if you're at a home game, you know, that like everyone there is rooting for the same thing. It's just, it's, I feel like we've had such a lack of, you know, there's been no crowd events really over the last year. And I didn't really realize how much I would miss events with large crowds until the pandemic started, whether that's going to baseball games or, like concerts or going to like Broadway shows, things like that, and just feeling like the energy from other people is something that I have have really missed. And I feel like baseball games always give me such such a great energy, even if the Mets end up losing. You know, it's as my dad always says, a bad day at the ballpark is still like the best day. You know, so just going to the games and being with other fans is something that I I really miss. And I'm glad you got to experience that. I even though it wasn't at, at City Field. Although I have to say, wh- I got like a little teary-eyed watching the game today and just seeing all those fans in the crowd and like hearing the hu- – I mean, I didn't realize also how much I'd miss like hearing actual like Mets cheers because you know they're not piping those in last year. And just hearing the chance of like – I don't know, just people cheering for things that they wouldn't be che- – like the piped-in fan noise wouldn't be cheering for and hearing the huge roar when Jeff McNeil hit that home run today. I mean, I like – screamed from home i was so excited but had i actually been at the game i mean i would have like lost my voice at that probably prematurely since they that didn't actually win the game but but yeah like i said so glad you got to go i i cannot wait to go to my first mets game this year and recount it with all of you so i guess with that why don't we move on to talking about the mets home opener on thursday i guess one thing that stuck out to me before we get to the ninth inning is i was so impressed with taiwan walker in his first start as a met he was extremely sharp, especially for the first few innings. I was so impressed with his pinpoint control. I mean, he held the Marlins without a hit for four and a third innings. He had he faced the minimum through that time because he, I think, I forget who he walked. He walked someone and then picked him off. Oh, I think Martin. it was Mar- Marte. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I was extremely impressed with him. And that's, you know, three out of four of the Mets starters so far have been excellent. And David Peterson, he didn't have a great start against the Phillies. I still believe in him. And so, so far. Showed a-
0: Peterson showed a lot after giving up four runs that first inning. And having a lot thrown over thirty-five pitches, he showed a lot being able to come back and throw what yeah. maybe three, four scores. And I'm glad that.
1: they met. I'm glad they left him in to do that because yeah, I was worried they were learned. just going to take it out on after big one
0: moment. big moment. Yeah. that's going to be big for him down the road.
1: I, I was just so impressed with Taiwan Walker. I mean, he's been like a great met so far, and he's only pitched one game. I, I just everything from his social media presence to all the stuff with Turk Wendell that you know, all the interactions they've had with like the shark tooth necklace that he's going to eventually wear. His first start was great, and I.
0: He was throwing Again. hard. He threw yeah, it. yeah. his second, velocity he, was
1: up like three miles per hour. Even in
0: the last inning, he was pumping a little 95-96 in there. And mm-hmm. Yeah, he had a lot of – I guess it's a slider that he throws. He had a lot of cut on that. He threw his changeup a couple times. He looked really, really good, and I, I was impressed, too, his fielding. He had a nice play on that little check mm-hmm. swing that went down the yeah. the baseline, and I think Wallach, the catcher, hit it, and he made a nice play, and Pete was pumped up after the play for Walker, too. That was That really impressed me, too
1: absolutely you know we've seen some good plays from you know him and stroman i think uh in the game that stroman pitched pete had a that really great diving play behind the first base bag that his throw to stroman was like a little bit high but stroman got it stroman also i think made another good play off the mound in his start too so i mean it just goes to show you know it's great to have good infield defense and outfield defense but pitching defense can be really important to just those those little infield squibblers that just or squigglers that just like Kind of snake up the line or go right to the mound. You never know how that could end up affecting an inning. So just knowing that, you know, we've seen some of, and we also know DeGrom is himself a really good fielder. I don't think he made any particularly notable plays in his opening day start, but we've seen him kind of get off the mound, get to the get to the first base bag quickly for plays in the past. So I, I have no uh, reason to be worried about his fielding. So yeah, impressed with Walker. And yeah, I guess do you want to kind of take take me through how? what you thought about that ninth inning because for anyone listening who like wasn't aware there was a really crazy play to end the Mets game today and I always think like when I'm watching the Mets that something absurd is going to happen and I have to say I've I've never seen anything like this so why don't you take us through kind of what your perspective was of that ninth inning and like what you thought about it afterwards
0: well first in the top of the inning I thought Edwin Diaz looked pretty good he gave up yeah. a wall, but he looked pretty sharp I liked what I saw out of him and that was really encouraging to see because he's going to be a big x factor for them this year Yeah, so going into the bottom of the ninth when McNeil hit that home run, and you mentioned it earlier, the crowd. You could just hear how loud the crowd was. It It drowned out the call. Uh, You you couldn't hear Gary Cohen, so that was amazing. And, yeah, McNeil needed that. That was a bomb. Like I said, he's been hitting the ball hard, so.
1: Oh, man. And that bat flip he did, I mean, come on. That was excellent. I'm I'm just all for bat flips at this point. I really don't care. They should bat bat flip every home run.
0: But, yeah, when when he hit it and then he threw that bat, it it reminded me a little bit of the Asdrubal Cabrera. I thought
1: this. Yeah. I thought the same thing.
0: So it reminded me of that. And I was like, wow, like, that's really cool. Yeah, that happened. And then, I don't know, when Giorme got on on that infield single and then Nimmo-, Nimmo, Nimmo doubled. Yeah, I don't understand why they keep shifting on Nimmo. Because Nimmo shows that he can hit that ball to the left side of the infield or whatever you want to call it. So I when he hit that double, I, I really had a feeling that they were going to do something there. And then- it made all the sense in the world to walk Lindor, so I don't know. I worry.
1: completely – if I, I would have done the same thing. Yeah. I mean, it didn't uh, end up working out for the Marlins. I No, but it made sense because Conforto's
0: just been – he's not been hitting the ball well. He's been coming up in so many key situations, and he just hasn't had any luck. So, obviously, for those that saw it, for those that didn't, but Conforto obviously leaned into the pitch, and it should have been strike three. I think it's pretty fair to say. and but It
1: definitely Mets, was strike three. The Mets have been on the other
0: end of the stick so many times where – we've ended up in a crap situation. So I don't feel bad. It sucks for the Marlins. I don't feel bad, but yes, I'll admit that it was a horrible call and Conforto clearly leaned into it. And definitely, Or he definitely
1: you know, didn't make an attempt to get out of the way, No,
0: but he leaned into it. And you could see, put, he stuck it no matter what the reasoning he did. It was, it was instinct, whatever he wants to call it. He clearly leaned into it, but I don't, I think it's kind of being lost in this, that that would have just been two outs. And P Alonzo, who's been on fire was coming up with the bases loaded following him. So I still would have had a good feeling about it, but, Obviously, as Conforto said in his post-game press conference, a win's a win, so I'm not complaining. But, yes, I definitely think the umpires got the call on the field wrong.
1: And I did appreciate how Gary, Keith, and Ron really kind of laid into laid into the umpires afterwards. You know, they, they're they the Mets' announcers, so they should be happy when the Mets win. But they were not – they were fairly critical of how the whole situation was handled, which I appreciated because they're clearly – and we we know this from listening to them for years. They're not like homer announcers. When something on the field is done – wrong or incorrectly, even if it benefits the Mets, they're going to call it out. And so I appreciated how they kind of brought that to everyone's attention when, you know, other announcers might've just celebrated me like, Oh, they got lucky. Yay. But I, they really broke it down well, while they were reviewing the call. And I appreciated that because, you know, obviously they want the Mets to win, but they're all also they want the integrity of the game to be intact, and I appreciated how they, even though it ended up benefiting the Mets, I think they were a little bit incredulous that you know it even happened the way it did with the Umps reviewing it. Even though I don't think it was really like a reviewable, a fully reviewable play. But that's the uh, thing. they can't review that he replay. Tried. Why
0: can't you? Why can't you review somebody purposely leaning into it or something? Like I don't. Understand. I guess they can't prove that he did
1: it on purpose.
0: Okay, but. You saw the video; it's so obvious. He, he
1: didn't not. That. He didn't try to get out of the way. That's the thing, and that's the rule. He didn't he did try that. to get out of the way, but I he guess clearly so.
0: also stuck that arm in there. He knew what he was doing. He could say anything he wants, and I'm happy. I'm happy we won. But yeah, and we can say it now. It's not nothing's going to change. But right, he, he leaned into it. But yeah, I don't. If I was Marlins fan, I'd be so heated. Do yeah, that. I understand? Well, if you have right. replay, why can't you review something like that? I clearly dump got it wrong. On, like it's clear as day. That well, they
1: can, can review like catchers interference. I mean, there should be something like batters interference. I. Maybe there is, like anything I don't know. But... It has
0: especially at the end of the game, like how in certain sports like in basketball at the end of the, in last the final two minutes, minutes yeah. Whatever, like, everything's reviewable. Anything that can have an impact on the game, isn't that why you want review to make sure that something like this doesn't happen? Like isn't that the point? Can you imagine if this is like the end of the world series? Save or the outcome something? Oh, of the game? Like why then why can't you review that in the ninth inning? Sure. Earlier in the game it's not a reviewable thing, whatever. But from like the seventh inning or eighth inning on, anything that happens like that that's that controversial in the replay center, they could clearly tell that the call on the field was wrong, no matter what you want to say the rules, whatever.
1: The ump even so admitted, the ump fully admitted that's after what I'm the game. Saying. So if He yeah. knows
0: that. He even said right away, strike three, so he should have stuck with that. I, I don't know.
1: On the other hand, well, and that's the thing, I was even thinking when that all was playing out and the Mets were celebrating, I'm like, Okay, the Mets are probably going to blow a bunch of games this year. There's going to be, and we've already seen, like, the heartbreaking, annoying loss on opening day. There's going to be games that the Mets had in the bag and should have won and end up losing. So to have this game that they probably, they might have won, but they probably shouldn't have won on that play, to have that game in the win column for them I'm fine with it because that's what I'm saying. We've been on the I'm edge fine edge how it. many times every win, every win is crucial because we've seen the Mets miss the postseason by one game multiple times. And every single win they get is absolutely crucial, especially in a year when they are expected for the first time in like a while, they are expected to make the playoffs by most people's evaluating the postseason odds. And also fans, I think they really we're not used to actually genuinely having high expectations that could be backed up for the Mets, but this year I think they really expected to be good. And so they didn't really show it in how they hit with runners on scoring position throughout the, these first four games, but every win is crucial. And I am thrilled that they're two and two and not one and three, because who knows if they end up making the postseason by one game, we might look back on this. And again, there'll be other games that just go their way or just don't go their way. And so you know, I don't want to be kind of getting ahead of myself, but I'm, I'm thrilled that this went their way because there have been so many times when calls did not go their way or they just got kind of screwed out of a win because of their own ineptitude. I'll take yeah. it. I, I'm oh, not going to feel is. guilty about this. I will go to sleep with a clear conscience.
0: And they need to win the series. Like, obviously, it's too early to maybe call it a must win series. But after the way they played in Philadelphia and they blew that first game, they definitely need to win this series. And like you said, every game counts, especially in this division. But that's why I say things like.
1: The Marlins I, are not pushovers. No, the Marlins not. are going to be not, the Mets plenty of times this year. Start.
0: But that's why I say things that Rojas can't be pulling DeGrom after 77 pitches because every game counts. You don't need to blow mm-hmm. them out. You don't need them to go 120 as first. And
1: game. even, like, I didn't mind bringing in Familia with the six run lead. I'll be honest, I didn't mind it because I'm like, they're going to have to use him. No, at some that was point. fine. Get that, it? F- that's fine. an example of not necessarily bringing in Diaz with the six run lead. I'm like, fine mm-hmm. with that not being the level of urgency that we're at. But I agree. Diaz
0: doesn't pitch well in those non-high intensity. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) not close. Diaz pitches at his worst. It seems like he needs it to be that high intensity moment. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm not upset with him trying to get familiar in. And I mean, Batansis looked horrible. And thank God. I mean, feel bad for him. He's hurt, but thank God he's not going to be pitching for a while because he just didn't look ready to compete at this level. And I don't know if he ever will be again. But they needed to do something about that.
1: Right. Exactly. And you know, interesting. Trevor Hildenberger – He's kind of one of those like under the radar signings that are slash acquisitions that the Mets made in the off season. I don't know like a ton about him, but I know he pitched well in the spring and you know, honestly at, at this point, I'm like any arm they bring in, he probably can't be like much worse than what Batanzas would be. So I'm fine with it. Like, let's see what they have. If he stinks, they'll probably bring up someone else. Instead If Batanzas is still injured at this point. They have like a good, Im- I mean, they still have Yamamoto at the alternate site right now. I think so they, they could bring him up, and they have a lot of know, depth.
0: They have a lot. Yeah, of Yeah, exactly. Depth.
1: Joey Lucchese pitched out of the bullpen, and he pitched good. really well in those he two scoreless really innings. Good. He's gonna be the fifth starter to start the year, but I mean, I if they just like left Lucchese in the bullpen, especially since he's a lefty, and they only have Aaron Loop as the lefty in the bullpen. I mean, well, when Lucchese's Caruso arm comes can back, play,
0: Peterson looks good. That Lucchese gonna end up in the bullpen, we'll and I, I'm
1: fine with that. Again, they just need quality arms who you who can just pitch clean innings. Most of the time, you know, they're going to pe relievers are going to give up runs, but we can't have like every single reliever always giving up a run in their outings. It's just not sustainable. They're
0: going to, they're, they're going to have to go out and trade it. Even when Lugo comes back they're if this team is in it in the middle of the summer, which they better be in it they're going to definitely have to trade for at least one or two high-end arms because this is definitely the weakness of this team, the bullpen.
1: Yeah, and we knew it. I knew it in the offseason, too. And yeah. I even said it, I but think, yeah, on the podcast. we knew it, so why couldn't, we knew they, it. Yeah. why couldn't they do something? Shane Green is uh, still out there, FYI. And they signed
0: Trevor May, which is great. I'm happy about that, although he hasn't looked that good. But Aaron Loop should not be your second-best addition to your bullpen. They needed to go out and get better arms or higher-quality arms, more arms, whatever they need to do. Get This isn't it. This isn't it. Right. We could all tell. And I know Alderson could tell, and they have money to spend. So it'll be intriguing to see what they trade for because they do have room until the luxury tax threshold. So they definitely have some flexibility to make some moves.
1: Right. Although one reliever I am glad they didn't acquire was Trevor Rosenthal, who he is looking at some sort of surgery. I think he's had, like, shoulder issues so far with the A's. He's getting a a thoracic
0: outlet syndrome surgery. Oh, my gosh. What Matt Harvey had and threw him off the wagon. That's
1: so rough. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I don't want to, like, be – you know, have like Schadenfreude, but kind of glad the Mets didn't end up signing him. Obviously, hope he recovers from that. But you just, that's the thing. You just never know how these guys work out. Everyone was complaining when they didn't sign Rosenthal, he's injured. Springer, Probably will still have a good season. He started the season on the aisle for the Blue Jays. So you just he never went, know. They, they went
0: hard after Paxton and now he's getting Paxton's Tommy
1: having Tommy John surgery. Although I'll be honest, I never wanted Paxton because yeah, but they were close. I,
0: they were the runners up to the Mariners together. And him. can
1: you imagine? And that's the thing. It's like not every person they don't sign is going to work out for the other team, even though it feels like they usually do. They've dodged a few bullets so far this year. And so, but yeah, no, hopefully they. And, and you know, Justin Wilson started. People were complaining that they didn't resign him. He started the season injured for the Yankees. I I think he's coming back soon, so he may end up having a really good year for them. But you never know. So I think they, if the bullpen doesn't do well, I think they will address it. I just think we can't wait months no, to make that. Need, decision. They need
0: to figure this out now because you saw in 2019, obviously mostly or yeah, it was 2019. It was mostly Edwin Diaz, but he pretty much cost us the season because of how familiar many- too. To be yeah, fair, but, but think of all the. Diaz blew so many saves, and we would have easily been in the playoffs if he hadn't even blown half the game. You see, it happens, and it, it can get you in April, May, the early months. I mean, like we keep saying, each game
1: matters. So you can't wait. You got to figure it out now. And you know, not every—it's going to be very, very rare for a team like the 2019 Nationals, who won the World Series with literally the worst bullpen in all of baseball. It, that's probably more the exception rather than the rule. I don't think anyone can look at that as an example of how to build a postseason-ready team. I think they had a good team, and they ended up they ended up winning it all with this on the strength of their starters. So the Mets definitely, if they want to actually make a run of the postseason, like we've said, are going to need to get some more relievers. Um, I do kind of want to touch on one non-Mets, half-Mets-related thing, and that is that I have to say I I have been paying attention to Matt Harvey starts with the Orioles. I will admit I I did half and a half watch part of his game while I was watching the Mets game earlier today. And I, and I've been impressed because he's slotted in as their number two starter. And, you know, obviously we know the Matt Harvey and Mets relationship is over. He's not coming back to the Mets, but I really, really just want the best for him with the Orioles. And just to see him be decent in his first two starts has like made me so happy, I, especially, I can't wait for him to like start against the Yankees. I'll be like locked in whenever that game happens, but I don't know if you had any thoughts about that, but I definitely have been like keeping tabs on Matt Harvey and Steven Matt's too. Had a great start with the blue Jays. All these former and Zach Wheeler, we know was already good. He's pitching well for the Phillies so far. So, but yeah, Matt Harvey, especially since he's had such a rough go of it over the last few years. I, I really, especially in the Orioles rotation, which is fairly thin after John means who is their first starter.
0: That's the problem. That's why Harvey's the number two. And That's
1: why that's the thing. He wouldn't even be starting on most no, teams with most his things, recent track evaluation. record. But, yeah,
0: it's it's nice to see him throwing the ball. I think he had four runs today in Boston. He looked good for most of the game. He had a two-run home run in the first to Rafael Devers.
1: Yeah, he that's had a couple of runners. He, he left after five-plus innings with a couple of guys on, and they both scored. So not 100% his fault, even though they were a charge to him, I think.
0: Yeah, but he, he's yeah. looked okay. But, yeah, I keep tabs on him. But, all right, but let's – I. I don't understand. I get I get that he was good with us and he got hurt and it was sad that he kind of fell off the mountain, but he was a tool at the end of his tenure with the Mets. He was a jerk. No one liked him. He wasn't showing up. He was rude to fans. He pitched horribly and he was still acting like he was the dark knight, which he wasn't. So yes, I, I want him to do well, but I'm not, you know, I'm not losing sleep over it if he's not that good. No, I'm
1: not, yeah. It's, I'm not at, yeah I want
0: him to do great. He was a great guy. All the charity, charity work he did when he was with the Mets, and He showed flashes, and yeah, I'm completely pulling for him. And I'm not saying I want Harvey to do bad. But the guy was a total ass when he was with us. And that really rubbed me the wrong way, that now then he wasn't good and he was kind of, in a way, taking his anger out on the fans and the media, and he just wasn't a great guy to have around. And that's why they got rid of him and shipped him to Cincinnati. So I am am keeping tabs on him and hoping he does well, but I don't know. I'm not rooting for him as hard as I am some other people.
1: Well, I think one of the reasons why Mets fans – might be like so see the Harvey era through such rose colored glasses is that you know when Harvey came up in 2012 he was like the most I think hyped draft pick that had debuted in quite some time he was the most exciting pitcher they'd had in their system in literally years and especially in 2012 I mean you think about the previous few years we had 2009 terrible season 2010 and 11 were also bad and so For him to kind of debut – and 2012, not a great season, but there were some good moments. Harvey came up, Dickey won the Cy Young, and Santana pitched the no-hitter. And I I just think he kind of represented the beginning of the return to like the Mets building dominant pitching in their – in, it, it, he kind of was like the beginning of a new era. He was, in no, he
0: was opinion. the beginning. And I think
1: that's why people remember him so nostalgically because he was kind of the first of those really highly touted pitchers in recent memory to come out of the system. There's been guys, you know, we had like Pelfrey, John Neese, Dillon G, they all came up. I wouldn't say those three combined were not half as hyped up as Matt Harvey was when he debuted. And this was a long time ago. 2012 was a while ago, but I, I still kind of think people are holding on to him as like the start of a new era. And he proceeded. Jacob deGrom, who debuted two years later, Noah Syndergaard, Steven Matz, Zach Wheeler. But he was kind of that first one of those really highly touted pitchers to come up and kind of represent that new era and what could be for the Mets and did end up helping them to get to the World Series. And so, yes, the end of his Mets tenure wasn't great, but I, at least for me, I think how it started was just so powerful in that way, just because, again, before him... You know, we had like John Neese, or he started Opening Day in 2013. We like Matt Harvey was just so much more exciting than like any pitcher they'd had in so long, and I think people still remember that, and that's still kind of an overriding factor in how people view him, even if again he left them on not great terms. And yeah. you know, he's come, kind of helped usher in this recent era of the Mets as we know them. With again, a lot of those pitchers have now left, except for Degrom and Cinderella. Yeah, but he came up. That's kind of what. That's how. Laser. That's why I think people are so attached to him.
0: Yeah, he came up Guns of blazing and he was great in his debut in Arizona. He struck out, what, 10, 11, 12 batters, something like that. I think he hit an RBI double. He played great. He had a great 2012 rookie season. And then in 2013, he started the All-Star game at City Field, and he was great. And then he had to get Tommy John, missed all mm-hmm. 2014, and then pitched awesome in 2015. And there was that whole controversy over the innings limit, and was he going to stop pitching? And we all know what happened in the World Series and how that ended. And ever since then, he pretty much went downhill. But yes, you're right. He did have a great start, and that's definitely what Mets fans are holding on to. But I know I'm not alone in it, but he definitely left a really bad taste in my mouth the way his Mets tenure did end.
1: And, and you know, that's fair. That's fair. I, I wouldn't say I – I think whenever he – I guess it was like 20 – what was his last year with the Mets? Was it 2018?
0: I no, it was 2018 because it was Mickey okay. Callaway's first year as manager. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, that's right. I think maybe just for whatever reason, I don't know, maybe I just wasn't following the Mets as closely at the time. I guess he, he just never rubbed me as wrong of a way as he did some people. I think I just – I wasn't following them quite as closely as I have in like the last couple of years at that time. So it never like bothered me as much because also I was at school. So I wasn't kind of in the tri-state area seeing it in like all newspapers or hearing it on the radio as much. So anyway, we can stop talking about Matt Harvey. But I just wanted to say he started off really well. I'm rooting for him. I'm still (laughs) holding on to that hope that he gave us literally nine years ago as like a beacon of hope of what he maybe could return to. Is that irrational? Probably. But Good for him. I hope he has a great year.
0: Yeah, we'll have to start a uh, former Met watch segment. And we'll talk about
1: a, <laughs> Actually, you know, that would be a lot of fun. To, uh, yeah, now, we'll I to, mean, there's I a lot really of former like Mets. We'll to do there's dude. There's a lot of former Mets floating around there. Jay Bruce is the starting first baseman for the Yankees right now. Even I mean, Matt's former looking Mets looking are everywhere you turn. Yeah, Esteban yeah, exactly. the closer
0: for Seattle. So the, yeah, right,
1: Chris Flexen has pitched really well for oh, Seattle. Oh, looked
0: good. <laughs> he's looked really good.
1: Oh man. Can oh, you, man. can you? Imagine? I was making
0: fun of him on the last episode. Maybe I should eat my words a little bit. He's been looking pretty good.
1: Yeah, I don't want to use him as a meme anymore if he start pitch, no. starts pitching yeah. really well this year. You never know. That would be fun. Yeah, we could do every episode. We, like, check in on a former Met, see how they're doing, or several yeah. former Mets. Yeah. Because there's that hashtag that always goes around Twitter, which I also use when I, like, tweet about a former – Billy Hamilton is, like, starting every game for the White Sox. He's, like, their starting left fielder right now because Eloy Jimenez is out. Former Met. I, ha- I still haven't seen him get a hit, though. I've watched, like, some of his Knocking. bats – I don't think I've ever watched him. I I watched you know him play for the Mets. I just maybe I missed it. I think he got one hit for the Mets like all of your last year. And so I'm still waiting for like that first whenever he eventually gets a hit, I probably won't be watching. You know, he's there. He's, I, I did see him steal a base though. Cause he, I was watching the White Sox game against whoever he walked and then he stole a base. I'm like, That's Oh, all he's ever good for.
0: But his problem is he can never get on base. So there's no, uh, ex-
1: exactly. Or he gets picked off. We saw him get picked off like four oh times last year,
0: picked off. He's, he's stealing third with no, for no, for no
1: reason. Yeah. Oh my oh gosh. My yeah. So I guess with all that talk about former Mets, um, we do kind of want to bring it back around to the current Mets who, as it stands are two and two. And we're looking forward to seeing how they do coming into this, the rest of the series with the Marlins. And then moving forward, they're playing the Phillies again four times next week. I have to say, I'm like already sick of the Phillies. This happens every year. They play the Phillies once and I'm like enough, enough. The First, like
0: two, three weeks are all in division.
1: I I know that's always how it is. But anyway, so big games
0: coming (laughs) up. Big.
1: Exactly. Exactly. We'll see a lot more rematches with the fighting and and the rest of the division coming up soon. We'll eventually play the nationals who we still haven't seen yet. And yeah, so we're excited for the season to get started. Jake and I have a lot more fun Cohen's Corner episodes coming for you as we progress through the season. Uh, But for now, we're going to wrap up this week's episode. As always, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at NYMFan97. You can follow Jake at at Giblin underscore Jake. And you can also follow our podcast, which is at Cohen's Corner Pod. So I will wrap up this week's episode with that. Thank you all so much for listening. And we'll talk to y'all very soon.